Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn DeWire and this is Prostitution in Medieval Ireland, the story of Christiana Saddle Hacker. This podcast has references to sex, so if there's younger listeners around, you may want to listen later. This show looks at the lives of women who worked as prostitutes in medieval Ireland. Stripping away the stereotypes, we will look at the story of perhaps the only recorded prostitute in later medieval Ireland, Christiana Saddle Hacker, revealing an intriguing tale of a woman who struggled on the margins of medieval society against the authorities of the day. To begin, we start in Christiana's hometown, Nace, County Kildare. Nace, in the 14th century, was a busy settlement, situated 20 miles southwest from Dublin. While the Wicklow Mountains were visible on the horizon to the south, the town escaped much of the violence that plagued these uplands and the surrounding territories. Situated on relatively good farmland, it was a prosperous region. Nace not only benefited from this wealthy hinterland, but it was also situated on the main thoroughfare south from Dublin to the Norman colony in the south and southwest of Ireland. Indeed, it was a journey taken from Dublin to Kilkenny situated 70 miles to the southwest along this road that forms the backdrop to our story. Before we introduce Christiana Saddlehacker or the other figures in this podcast, it's worth briefly explaining a small bit about medieval travel. Things were pretty different when compared to modern travel. Well, today there's no journey in Ireland that you can't complete in a seven-hour car journey. We often forget what a recent invention rapid transport is. Cars, integral to everyday life, have only been around since the 20th century, while trains are only in use since about the middle of the 19th century. Before this, travel on land was either by foot or by horse. Journeys were long, tiring and arduous. 
a good day's travel on horseback would see you journey about 30 or 35 miles, while on foot you'd be looking at around 20 miles. Nace, therefore, situated about 20 miles southwest of Dublin, was the perfect stopping point for people travelling from the city. In 1306, a serving man of the prominent Dublin merchant William Deuce was making a journey to Kilkenny. Such a trip was not without risk. The serving man would have to journey through stretches of isolated and dangerous territory in the increasingly lawless Upper Barrow Valley before he reached Kilkenny. On his first day, he stopped when he reached Nace, which, as I've said earlier, was about 20 miles southwest of Dublin. There he began to unpack the goods from his horse and rest for the night. The following day he could expect a potentially far more difficult and dangerous journey when he travelled further and further away from the relative safety of Dublin. Now among Nace's many residents was Christiana Saddlehacker. Like many ordinary people from the medieval period, we know very little about Christiana's life. Judging on her surname, we can assume her ancestors worked with horses. Christiana, however, did something very, very different. She was what was known in the medieval world as a Molière communis. Molière communis literally means common woman, or what we would call today a sex worker. Travellers like William Deuce's serving man were some of those willing to pay Christiana for sex, and the two struck up conversation shortly after the man arrived in the town. They soon came to an agreement that he could, what was euphemistically called, lie with her, in return for goods worth two shillings. After Christiana earned her two shillings, a major argument broke out between her and the serving man. But before we get into that, I need to explain a bit about prostitution in medieval Ireland. While it may seem surprising today, women like Christiana, who worked as prostitutes, were not breaking the law. Prostitution was not illegal. Indeed, in France during this period, many towns ran municipal brothels. While there's little detail about medieval prostitutes or their lives, we do know enough about wider medieval society to understand what motivated women like Christiana to sell their bodies. These were motives which varied, obviously, from woman to woman. Firstly, the very unequal nature of medieval society undoubtedly left some women with little choice. For example, if Christiana, like many women of the period, worked as a farm labourer, she could expect to earn one penny a day. If she was married, her husband could expect to earn two pence, bringing a household income to about three pence a day. If, for whatever reason, her husband was to die, this would see the household's income plummet by 66%. Facing destitution in such situations, many women had limited options for economic survival and prostitution was one of them. In other circumstances, survivors of sexual assault could find themselves with little option. Aside from the physical and emotional trauma caused, medieval women also faced an uncertain future after a sexual assault. In an era obsessed with purity and family lineage, a woman who had survived rape could find it very difficult to find a husband and practically impossible if she had become pregnant. In such situations, prostitution may have been one of the few options open to some women, 
particularly those from poorer backgrounds. Finally, we should not discount the possibility that some women gravitated towards prostitution of their own volition to escape the constraints medieval society placed on women. Almost every aspect of a woman's life was heavily restricted in the later Middle Ages. Up to marriage, they were in effect the property of their nearest male relative, who, among other things, chose their husband. After marriage, their husband dominated their lives. If a woman sought to break convention and not marry, options were limited. She might enter a convent, but there she would have to live under the control of a mother superior. For a poorer woman, prostitution, stigmatised as it was, did offer an alternative and a certain degree of independence. Now before we return to the story of Christiana, it's important to point out that illegal or not, the women who worked as prostitutes still faced widespread discrimination in medieval society. Indeed, one of the great opinion shapers of the late medieval period, Thomas Aquinas, while accepting prostitution was a necessary evil, castigated women like Christiana as immoral. While grossly unfair and hypocritical, his views did reflect wider prevailing attitudes. Brothels were associated with criminality and some towns went as far as to ban them from within their walls. Indeed, this may have been the case in medieval Dublin. A 1565 law demanded that the city authorities punish brothel keepers in accordance to the ancient laws of the city. These derogatory attitudes made prostitutes vulnerable to accusations and allegations and sadly, in 1306, this had drastic consequences for Christiana Saddlehacker. In 1306, Christiana and the serving man agreed a price of two shillings for sex. This, as was customary at the time, was not paid in money, but instead in goods. The serving man gave Christiana a pair of linen web, a pair of shoes and a pair of hose, which was a type of trousers. Also, through the course of the transaction, Christiana came into the possession of a box containing some of the goods owned by the serving man's master, William Deuce. Soon, major contention arose over this box. Christiana, having gained possession of the items, in turn had swapped the box for 12 gallons of ale. While this might seem like an extraordinary amount of alcohol, it should be remembered that those who could afford it drank large amounts of ale every day as an alternative to potentially putrid water. However, a dispute soon arose over the ownership of the box. William Deuce, the powerful Dublin merchant, complained that the box of his artefacts had in fact been stolen. Christiana obviously denied it, saying it was part of an agreement. She was accused and arrested. Taken before a court, she had little chance. She was looked down on by wider society as a prostitute. While Deuce was a prominent citizen of Dublin, a man who would go on to twice serve as mayor of the city in the 1320s, Christiana was tried by a jury, but it was an all-male jury which tended to come from the wealthier echelons of society. So, in reality, it was a jury of William Deuce's peers rather than her own. Unsurprisingly, she was found guilty but her punishment has not survived in the records. What exactly happened between Christiana and the serving man is not clear. Of course, it's entirely possible Christiana stole the box, 
But it is equally likely that the serving man agreed to give her the box, then in an effort to explain its absence, accused Christiana of theft. He could have done this safe in the knowledge that she had little chance in court against someone of the stature of William Deuce. While we will never know exactly what happened, Christiana unquestionably came off the worst. Her punishment has not survived, as I said, though the court records note that she abjured the county. Abjuration was in effect exile, which usually referred to a legal process whereby convicts, after seeking refuge in the church, fled the kingdom, only to return on pain of death. This is not what Christiana did. She seems to have only left County Kildare. Why she did this is not clear, due to the fact that some of the court records were destroyed in the following centuries. It may have been part of her punishment, or perhaps the case made this woman, already living on the fringes of Nay society, feel like she had no option but to leave the town. Christiana disappeared from the historical record after she left Nace, but her brief brush with the law gives us an amazing insight into the life of women who worked as prostitutes in medieval Ireland and the difficulties they faced. In the following centuries, many women continued to live in similar precarious circumstances. Indeed, the illegalisation of prostitution in the modern era did little to change the precarity many women lived in as attitudes towards women who work as prostitutes has not changed much since the 14th century. If you enjoyed this episode, my book, Witches, Spies and Stockholm Syndrome, Life in Medieval Ireland, is packed full of similar stories, focusing on the lives of ordinary people. You can buy it in all good bookshops or online at the publisher's website. That's newisland.ie, newisland.ie, or as a Kindle on Amazon. If you have any opinions on this show, I'd love to hear them. You can find me on Twitter at Irish History or facebook.com forward slash Irish History Podcast. Until next time, Sloan. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.